Welcome back to the Anxiety Slayer podcast. I'm Shan Vanderleek here with my wonderful friend and co-host Ananga Sivir. We come together weekly from Kent and Leelanau to share Anxiety Slayer sessions with you and answer listener questions from our inbox and Facebook page, as well as our private Facebook group. Together, we share a powerful collection of techniques to reduce anxiety. Hello, Ananga. Hey, Shan. Today, we're going to be talking about how our thoughts and feelings about anxiety affect the quality of our life. We'll be looking at the benefits of clearing resistance and resentment towards anxiety and how that frees up our energy to start taking action steps toward feeling less anxious and more hopeful. It's so natural to go to that place of resenting anxiety and how it makes us feel. Yeah, it's um, something I learned from chronic illness, the difference, how I felt about myself in that experience from day to day. If I could be at peace and accepting and do the best I could with it and have the sweetest day I could with it, or whether I just felt sick and tired of feeling sick and tired, Mm. not wanting to wake up in pain. And when we're pushing against and objecting to what's happening, it just doubles our suffering. It's that second arrow teaching that we've sometimes shared from Buddhist psychology. So our anxiety, that's the experience. That's the, the first arrow, but how we respond to it, how we feel about it. That's the second arrow, the thoughts and feelings we're having about the factual experience. And it's that responding. It's that second arrow of the reaction that causes us the most pain. And some of those thoughts that keep us stuck in anxiety that we hear often are, I will never be free from panic attacks, or I know I'm stuck with anxiety for life, or I've tried everything and nothing works. The latter being what we hear, I think, the most of. But these are beliefs. They are not facts. And beliefs can be changed. Freedom from anxiety begins when we challenge those beliefs and start to look beyond them. Yeah. You can see how, you know, feeling that I'll never be free from anxiety. I'm stuck with this anxiety for life. How hopeless that can make us feel and how solid it makes anxiety feel. Those kinds of beliefs, when we declare them, we're etching them into our mind and it really bolts anxiety down as a much more solid and confining experience. It sure does. And that's why it's so important to break through the wall of anxiety. And that's what we're here to help you do. When you see anxiety as an enemy or personalize it by saying you hate it, you are giving anxiety power over you. It becomes something you have to fight or you resent. And feeling that way about anxiety puts you in a victim mindset. You continue to feed your anxiety, exhaust yourself, and you just feel really bad. And, and we've all done it. It's a, it's a default setting of the suffering mind. You don't like how you feel, so you declare it. I hate this. I don't want to feel this way. But anxiety isn't personal. As much as we think that it is, it's not. It's just not. It's not listening. And it's not going to back off and leave you alone unless you take action, unless you make the choice to deal with it by taking action. Yeah. Otherwise, we're just pouring petrol on the fire. We're saying, you know, there's fire. I hate the fire. The fire's too hot. The fire's too bright. I don't want this fire. And all the time we're just feeding it. We're throwing more wood and more fuel on it and increasing the experience. It's the easiest thing to do. 
And for most of us, it's actually our default setting is to do that. And we don't always even know we're doing it. So that's why these conversations, I think, are so important to look at this. These kinds of teachings have helped me so much with anxiety and with chronic illness. They've really helped me cope and improve the quality of my life, even though stuff was going on that I was, you know, unable to control. Still, you can change a lot more than you often realize. So um, we often talk about Ayurveda, India's ancient science of life, and it's my favorite place to go for teachings on the mind. And there are two challenges for the anxious mind that I've learned from Ayurveda that have really helped me. One is that the mind tends to form grooves like an old record, our thoughts carve tracks that our mind just falls into and plays over and over again. We have these thoughts come up in our mind and they're kind of automatically running, very hard to change. That's one thing that the anxious mind very easily does is it forms these grooves, this broken record playing in our head. The other thing the mind does that's very challenging to deal with is it tends to have a negativity bias. That means it's particularly drawn to the unhelpful thoughts and the beliefs that aren't helpful to us, that don't serve us well or even harm us, and it likes to replay those and ruminate on them. And you get those nights where you think, I'm tired, I'm going to go to bed. You put your head on the pillow and your mind starts chewing and Mm. ruminating over and over, and this really perpetuates that cycle of mental suffering. And while we're doing the the replay, we're making the grooves deeper. We're, We're etching those negative programs really deeper in our minds, so they're all the easier to go back to. It's a really challenging state, but we can change them. You think of an old-fashioned record player. I I remember I had one when I was a kid, a really cool little record player my dad bought me. You know, you have the stylus that you put on the track, and you know you can flick that stylus on or lift it over onto a different track, and that's what we have to practice with our mind is moving that over into a different groove, forming positive thought grooves, different things that we aspire to, things that fill us with hope and purpose and meaning in life and consciously redirecting the mind to play those thoughts more and more so that it overcomes this preference for negativity and switches out to better thoughts. And you have such a wonderful start when you can identify the groove or identify the pattern because as soon as you see it, you, can no, you cannot not see it. At least that's what I've found. And and you've heard me time after time, not necessarily on the podcast, but in our personal conversations, I'll get to a point where I'm like so sick and tired of my own stuff, <laughs> my own groove, my own pattern, right? Because I finally see it clearly. And then by seeing it clearly, I can I can change my mind. I can make different choices. And changing our mind is so much easier when it comes from our heart changing the way you feel about your anxiety and switching your perspective to seeing it as an emotion or a messenger that is trying to communicate something to us is a positive first step in regaining our power and sense of control over anxiety. One way to do this is to ask yourself, what would I love to do if I was free from anxiety? What would I love to do if I was free from anxiety. And to really go there, let your senses go there. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you feel? Where are you? There's a beautiful practice. I can't credit the author because I don't recall at the moment who suggested this, but there's a practice called the perfect day. 
where you just sit and imagine in great detail your perfect day. What's your environment like? What's your room like? Your chair? What are you eating? What are you doing? What are you thinking? And uh, a writer that I like to follow does that every new year, as in New Year's practice. And the way she does it is to really enter into it in great detail. She journals it out for about 20 minutes, which is a really cool exercise. And then she looks at how she can get closer to it through the course of the year. And I think that's a really wonderful practice that applies very well to anxiety too. And not to let our mind throw up all the buts. Mm-hmm. But I can't because of this, or but I couldn't because of that. If you've got buts coming up, write them down. and <laughs> <laughs> Deal with them with EFT tapping. You're having those thoughts come up. I'm just picturing all these little butts popping up from a garden. It's very funny to me. <laughs> it is. And the mind will. It's an objector to positive change. The mind will throw up flags. But it's an imaginative exercise. You can do whatever you want. Sure. You can imagine your perfect day. And if objections come up, then write them down and go through the EFT tapping points with them. Oh, I don't think I could do this because of this. Or, you know, it's a really healthy exercise to try. And when we practice looking for purpose and meaning in our life, then anxiety becomes a hurdle. It's a hurdle between where we are now and what we want to experience in the future instead of it being a solid brick wall. It becomes something we can get over. Yes. And that's a completely different experience right down to your day-to-day life. Yes. And of course, we have to talk about EFT tapping and how tapping can change unwanted thoughts because it can. Tapping is a quick and effective way to change our unwanted beliefs. And in doing so, you can change your entire experience of anxiety. You can change that groove. You can change that pattern from feeling trapped to feeling hopeful and and finding freedom. You can try it by yourself with a book or a course. We have many courses that can help you with EFT tapping, or you can work with a practitioner like Ananga for support to make sure that you cover all the aspects of the thoughts that are affecting you. Tapping for our beliefs about anxiety is a very interesting exercise that can key right into calming general anxiety. I know, Ananga, you've got a tapping story that, that you'd like to share about a stuck headache that you once had. Yeah, and directly related to belief. This was a real uh, key learning experience for me. It was in my quite early days of practicing EFT tapping. And uh, at that time, I used to get really strong headaches. And sometimes when they would start, I'd start to feel a little bit anxious because I knew that they could escalate quickly in the direction of a migraine. Sometimes I'd just be propped up in bed in extreme pain for hours. It could involve nausea and it was a horrible experience. So the headache start to show those signs of developing and think, oh no, (laughs) I knew what was coming. So of course, that's a form of resistance, tensing up, same as we do with anxiety and so many other experiences. So I was teaching and and experimenting with EFT tapping and working with beliefs to do with all different areas of life. And we were also, this is used with EFT a lot now, but it wasn't in those days EFT for pain relief. We were just starting to play with it for pain relief, but now it's used a lot for pain relief. Anyway, so I was about to travel home and I had this headache, so I was tapping. I have this headache, even though I have this headache, this pain in my eyes, this pain in my neck, even though I'm worried it's going to develop, and nothing was happening, and the headache wasn't changing at all. Nothing was happening. And then I realized that I didn't trust it for pain. Because, mm. again, again, in those days, we weren't really using EFT for pain yet. 
And uh, I didn't I don't really think it would work. It's like, yeah, some friends are having some results, but I don't really think it's going to do it for me. And I was like, okay, that's a belief. And that's why I bring that example into this. Okay, I have a belief that EFT isn't going to help me with my headache. So I just tap for that. Even though I'm tapping on the side of my hand, even though I don't believe EFT is going to help my headache, I accept myself, even though it's helped others, I don't think it's going to help me, even though I feel stuck with this headache. And I started tapping through the points. And as I did so, the headache began to ease more, Mm. more and more. And I was quite fascinated just from tapping on that belief. So that's why we say tapping for your beliefs about anxiety is an interesting exercise that can key right into calming anxiety itself. Because if you believe I'm stuck with this forever, or if you're going into loving relationships with your friends and family thinking, they think I'm high maintenance and I can't do anything about it. And you can change that belief. It changes so much. It really does. I have a tapping story as well about beliefs that you were a witness to, Ananga. And that was, uh, I guess it's been a couple of years ago now. I went to see my nurse practitioner and they took my blood pressure and it was super high. And the nurse and the nurse practitioner were both kind of freaking out about it and wanting me to potentially go to the emergency room to have it checked out. And, and it, what it did is it kind of kicked off this pattern for me of, oh my goodness, my blood pressure's high. So I would stop at the local clinic here and they would so kindly take my blood pressure. And then I'm like, I need to get a blood pressure cuff. I didn't go to the emergency room because I, I felt fine. And after being uh, in that environment, it seemed to come down. Well, anyway, I had a belief in that very moment that I needed to do something about high blood pressure. Because why? Because I trusted my nurse practitioner. I trusted you give so much trust to doctors and nurses and 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 many of them absolutely deserve it but we also have to check in with ourselves and what i realized was and it took me 2 years and some tapping was that oh my goodness i'm one of those people who has white coat syndrome because i had an opportunity to see the same practitioner and somebody else within 10 days of each other and i took my blood pressure leading up to both appointments. And sure enough, it was just fine until the appointment. And then it was super high. And on the second one, I even drank magnesium before going and it was still high. And when I got home and my doctor, this is a a different doctor who said, it's really nice to know your body, isn't it? And I thought, oh my gosh, there was like, that was a key. I was in this pattern of fear and concern. And do I still check on my blood pressure? Absolutely. Because there is some high blood pressure in my family, but on a day-to-day basis or on a every other day basis or whenever I check it, it's just fine. And my doctor t- says, it's really okay if it's in this area. You know, even though that isn't the ideal number, I'm not worried about that at all. Carry on. And so you helped me identify that trust and that belief from years ago 
and tap through that and release that and understand this for what I think it is right now at this point in my life that I get an elevated blood pressure reading when I go to the doctor, like so many other people do. Yeah. It really is about paying attention and yeah, knowing our body, knowing our reactions. And when we can see context and we can see cause and effect, it takes that mystery out. Otherwise, we just feel held hostage to anxiety that could flare up at any time. It becomes like this kind of volatile, unpredictable presence in our life. And it's like, I don't know when it's going to get me. Mm-hmm. Usually there's cause and effect. And what you experienced as we discussed together at the time was a mini trauma because you're going to a medical practitioner who's showing shock in their face about your body. Something I wish they wouldn't do. No doubt, right? You know, you go to an authority and they're showing signs of, of registering that there's something's not right. And that used to be a big fear for me when I was young with health anxiety. I saw a few kind of older male quite um, unfriendly, cold doctors, and they really scared me. Yeah. And they would, you know, cast their opinions about my body and my health that made me feel like there was something freakishly wrong with me. Yes. took me many years to get over that. I would have all kinds of imaginings about my body that I don't even know biologically possible (laughs) (laughs) or accurate. Right. You know, you mix that in with a few um, things that you see as a kid that you shouldn't. Like my, I can remember my dad watching a documentary on psychic surgery and there's some guy kneading this woman's stomach and blood and stuff coming out and it really scared me. And some other stuff he would watch, you know, unreservedly news and documentaries that I don't think young children should see. No. We don't have that ability to put it in context right. yet. We shouldn't be seeing that stuff. So in my head, that all went together in this kind of dreadlock of terror. Yeah, I bet. But it does for so many of us. So it's really important to look at ourselves with compassion. You're not broken. You're not unfixable. Some stuff's gone in and caused these reactions, and it can be supported. It can be worked with. And I think your example with the blood pressure is a brilliant example. And I know in our group we hear a lot of this white coat anxiety. So we have every right to look for the approaches that help us feel supported. And that's where Ayurveda and EFT are really my go-to practices and and sources of information because they can help us feel calm and and positive and hopeful no matter what we're facing. They sure can. And the way to master anxiety is to stop fighting it and start taming it. And this begins with paying attention to what's beneath the roar of our anxiety. When you look at a raging river, you see the white foamy water on the surface. And that's the part that gets your attention because it's showing the most energy, the most noise and movement. But if you think beyond the surface, under the surface, you know that there is more to the river than just its rushing and roaring. With anxiety, we see the surface noise and the turbulence and we get caught up in it and exhausted by it. But there's more to it than the surface symptoms and the looping thoughts. Our anxiety also has a story, a source, and different elements to it. There will be things that provoke your anxiety and things that help calm it. It's not static. So the mind likes to think anxiety is solid, set in stone, that brick wall we were talking about earlier. But it really isn't. And that, you know, that's part of the the taming of it is that it's movable and that it can be influenced, that it can be quelled and tamed. Yeah. 
So again, getting curious is the important shift that helps us look into our anxiety for more information. We recorded an episode on this many years ago, and it was called something like How Playing Detective Can Help You Calm Your Anxiety, Looking for Clues, Looking for Cause and Effects. So getting curious and watching how we react. And then with support, we can begin working with that information and responding to anxiety's message rather than reacting, which constricts us and makes it feel all the worse. We can respond. And we can do that with acceptance, which helps soften the experience of anxiety. And it brings us space to draw breath. It brings us a pause to explore the practices that can help us live a positive and peaceful life. If you find the Anxiety Slayer podcast supportive, we hope you'll consider becoming a patron. We have over 50 Anxiety Slayer downloads available, including our guided relaxations, tapping sessions, and extra resources for calming anxiety. You can learn more at patreon.com forward slash anxiety slayer.